Welcome to another edition of The List, a right fiction podcast. We've got a great show for you all today, one I've been waiting to do for a very, very long time about our favorite neo-soul albums. Before we get started, if you love the pod, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your listening app. It helps us reach new listeners like you. Also, be sure to check out our companion Spotify playlist with all our picks that we mentioned in the pod. The link is in the show details. Now, on to the show. In the late 1990s, a record executive named Kedar Massenberg of Motown Records coined the term neo-soul to market and describe a style of music that emerged from soul and contemporary R&B at that time. Back then, contemporary R&B was dominated by artists such as SWV, Jodeci, Mariah Carey, and TLC. These artists were hugely successful and their music was characterized in many instances by East Coast hip-hop-inspired backing tracks. When the term neo-soul hit the scene, it was a great feeling of live musicianship and experimentation that was contrasted from the contemporary R&B back then. Not only in the recordings of the songs, but within the songs themselves. They harken back to 1970s soul influences of, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, the Ohio Players, and of course, Stevie Wonder where the commercial acceptance of soul music didn't confine artists' creativity as much as it did in the early to mid-90s. This movement led by D'Angelo, Erica Badu, and Lauren Hill created a lasting legacy that endures today with artists such as Solange, Robert Glasper, and Crystal Warren. As a super fan of the genre, I am extremely happy for our topic today because today we are discussing our favorite neo-soul albums. And not only that, we have an amazing guest today to help us out. Monique Brooks Roberts is joining us today to give us her Neo Soul album takes. Monique is a violinist hailing from Louisville, Kentucky, but now living in Denver, Colorado. Uh, the former member of the Philadelphia String Quartet released her first solo album, Free, earlier this year in January which debuted at number 12 on the iTunes R&B Soul Charts. You can find it on Spotify and all other listening platforms. The album is really, really beautiful, extremely soulful, and her playing is just sublime. While Free is her solo album, she's not new to audiences, as she's performed and recorded for many notable artists, including Lizzo, Alicia Keys, Common, Jill Scott, and many, many more. She has also made appearances on the Grammys, VH1 Storytellers, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and the BET Honors. Beyond her playing, she's also a podcaster. Her podcast, The Sip, which is short for a singer, an instrumentalist, and a poet, is her and two friends, Carrie Joy and Raj Dulari, where they pour out their hearts, discuss systemic injustice, and explore love and relationships. We've posted links to her album, Free, and her podcast, The Sip, with this episode. So be sure to check them out. Monique, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for welcome, having welcome. me, guys. Thank you, Aaron. 
Yes. And, and of course, we have the, the knuckleheads, the rest of the knuckleheads, Brandon, Freddie, yeah. Adam, and me, Aaron, the John Stockton podcast. And uh, Monique is, is a heavy hitter. And um, so I don't know how we got her on, except for she knows Brendan. And uh, Brendan, I'll, I'll let you you and Monique talk, talk about like how you guys know each other, how, how you came to be on the podcast today. Yes. Yeah. So I was really lucky to meet Monique through a friend of ours who I grew up with, and we worked together on this educational project called Symphony 21. That was It's raising awareness for music careers uh, in young people. So we would go into the school and a school system and do these school tours. And Monique was part of that, as was I. And then we've done some recording sessions together. And then through that, Monique was like, hey, I'm writing my own record. And would you want to do some engineering for it? And that's how we started to work together on her album. And it was an amazing journey for me and such wow. a, I'm really proud of that record. I think it's uh, the playing is amazing and it's, it's really unlike anything I've ever heard. Oh, thanks Brendan. <laughs> it really is a great record. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy y'all love it. I mean, yeah. seriously working with Brendan was like the greatest because it's so hard as a violinist to get someone who understands the sound that you want. And he had my violin sounding like absolute butter as you can hear on the record. And yes. I, I was flying back and forth from Denver to Philly to record it because that's how much I always wanted to work. Like, even when I do another album, I'll be flying back and forth Whoa. because that's how much I love Brandon, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yep, he's pretty okay. <laughs> we accept him. We accept him. He's a nice guy. <laughs> they allow me to hang around. <laughs> Well, Monique, thank you so much for, for joining us on the pod. Um, of course. It's really an honor for us to have you uh, on. You, you are a heavy hitter, and we're, we're really, uh, you know, uh, well off for, for having you Aww. on the pod here with us. Well, thank um, you so much for having me. This is like, it's a dream to be here with y'all. Seriously. And on that note, we are going to kick it off with our favorite neo-soul albums. And we're going to actually start with you, Brendan. Um, what is your number three favorite Neo Soul album? Okay. Well, this is maybe a strange one to start off our show. And this is kind of an unsuspecting record. Uh, In my opinion, this record is a Neo Soul record disguised as a hip hop record. So that's my, that's my preface in terms of this. And I'm showing some Philly love right off the bat. I went with the Roots 2002 record phrenology and so the reason why I say it's a neo-soul record disguised as a hip-hop record, everyone knows the roots for doing their thing, but this record has collaborations with Music Soul Child, Cody Chestnut. I mean, The Seed 2.0 is an amazing song. And like, I remember when that came out, it was like, it was everywhere. It was, it was such a big hit. And Jill Scott's on there. And of course, a central part of the roots is the one of the architects of neo-soul. I'm talking about Questlove. So he's right in there with it. And to me... And we can talk about this a little bit later, but my personal preference for for Neo Soul is I like it to have a little bit of grit. And I think this record has all of that combined with all the awesome stuff that comes with the roots. And so that's why it's my number three. Excellent pick, man. Excellent pick. Monique, what is your number three favorite Neo Soul album? Yes, my number three would be The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Um, That is one of the greatest albums I think that has ever, you know, been produced in the history of albums. Um, That was 1998, I believe. Yes. 
And I was in high school at that time. And I remember when that album came out, I was like, oh my gosh. And then fast forward 22 years later, and I can still listen to it track for track and without skipping that entire album. And to me, when I can listen to an entire album without skipping, you have won me over. And that is the album that goes down in history. And Lauryn Hill just is a master singer, songwriter, lyricist, just all of it. And I could not have left that album out. Hmm. Very cool pick. Very cool pick. <laughs> uh, Freddie, we're going to you for your number three favorite Neo song. Um, I just want to say also that uh, Lauren Hill, Philadelphia Connection, Rough House Records, mm. Joe oh. Niccolo, and Chris Schwartz. I mean, it, it all kind of starts and ends with Philly. And you got that John Stevens connection there? Right. Uh, uh, you guys don't know that John Ledge, excuse me. John, <laughs> what's his real name? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, also, let us not forget Soul Quarians, which is basically the neo-soul house band, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. All right. My number three pick is Cody Chestnut's debut album, The Headphone Masterpiece, which also has the original version of The Seed. You know, I love this record because he recorded it in his bedroom. It's a double album, which is really bold for a first album. He recorded and he plays everything. And... You know, he kind of blurs the lines of soul and rock. To me, The Seed is a rock song, even the Roots version. It really is, but a very soulful rock song, yet it's still a rock song. And I just love the way Cody Chestnut mixes up his vibe and his sounds, and it's just a great debut. Number three, Cody Chestnut, the headphone masterpiece. Very nice. Very nice. Um, Adam, we're going to go to our resident hip-hop guy here. Adam, what is your number three favorite neo-soul album, sir? Oh, full disclosure, this is my maybe one of my least versed uh, genres. Uh, I mean, for for certain reasons and for certain non-reasons, I suppose. But uh, I I did some digging, and uh, this one's still fairly new to me, but I've been getting into it a bit lately, and that's uh, Anderson .Paak's Malibu, which, uh, I mean... uh, I, uh, I, there's guitar on it. That's cool. You know, I, I, I like, I like, <laughs> not a lot of guitar on these selections, not a lot of guitar from a guitar. That's player. an excellent point. Excellent point. You're, you're telling me, you know, we were talking like, you're going to start picking out, you know, bad guitar tones and point them out. I'm like, there aren't any tones to point out. <laughs> but, uh, but what I, what I like about this album, I like, I like, um, Anderson's, uh, like a smoky voice. I like, I like, um, I like his, uh, I guess you'd call it his cadence, his cadence in his, in his singing um it reminds me a lot of kendrick lamar and i'm a huge kendrick lamar fan since you're talking about the hip-hop thing so i feel like there's kind of an in between that and my number one pick i feel like there's this kind of a this just kind of stylistic vocal uh, thing that i i i really dig and it's happening more in the last few years but um i have you know i have more to go with this one but uh you know you keep hearing the the name anderson pack around and you're like i gotta you know let me get in there and uh now this was really cool and uh i have to get in there more but this is definitely, uh, you know, got some potential for me. Anderson Pack, Malibu, number three. Nice, nice. So, and this is Aaron, the John Stockton of this podcast here. And my number three pick, number three favorite Neo Soul album is, uh, is a more recent one. So um, 
I'm not even sure that can be considered neo soul, but I don't care. Um, I'm saying it anyway because I love her, and she, while she doesn't love me back, I still love her. And her name is Crystal Warren, and she is absolutely hey, amazing. And this re- album was released in um, 2017, I believe. And um, it's three the hard way is what it's called. And um, musically, it's like, oh man, it's just amazing. And the reason I I I, I lump this in with neon, neo, at least a neo soul thing, is because you know it's got the hand claps in there. It's got the soulful singing. Um, it's got the kind of um, vibiness, if you will. Um, but it has guitar in it, so that kind of is like, mm, but. I don't care. Crystal Warren, um, she is one of my faves and she's making this list. So that's my number three. Nice. Um, going back to you, Brendan, what's your number two favorite Neo Soul album, sir? Yes. Well, thanks, Aaron, for that one. You're kind of softening the blow because my number two pick is also not for the Neo Soul purists because this definitely extends kind of past the the denoted era that Neo Soul exists in for a lot of people. And so I went with Solange's A Seat at the Table, which is from 2016. This is definitely late neo-soul, if you want to call it that. Um, I think she's incredible. I think she deserves her own praise insofar as she often gets overshadowed because her sister is Beyonce. So what a person to be overshadowed by. But I think she's an incredible artist in her own right, has her own sound. This record is great. And a lot of the songs are co-written by one of the Soulquarians, Raphael Sadiq. You got songs that are like that are just really impactful. Don't touch my hair is great. And then the one for me that's worth the whole price of admission is Cranes in the Sky. I think that's an amazing song. And that's like one of those songs where you ever have you hear a song and you have to immediately replay it like ten times in a row the first time you hear it. Mm-hmm. Cranes in the Sky was that for me. And like I, I still do that. I hear it and I'm like, well, I can't just hear it once now. <laughs> I gotta nice. go again and again. So that's my number two. And, and I gotta jump in there quickly as like. That one song, Cranes in the Sky, you kind of turn me on to that. And there's like no bridge in it. So right. if you're listening to it over and over again, it's really just the same thing over and over <laughs> and over again. I don't mind. Which is crazy. But it's it's wonderful. I don't mind either. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Monique, what is your number two favorite Neo Soul album? Yes. My number two favorite Neo Soul album of all time is Maxwell's Urban Hang Suite. Right? Thank you. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, (laughs) as a musician, for me, what I do first is listen to how something sounds sonically. I don't even listen to lyrics. I could be listening to a song real talk for two, three months and not even know what they're talking about because I'm so into the music. And that's what this album does for me. To me, Maxwell is like the baby maker king of the neo soul movement. I mean, if you didn't have a baby to Maxwell in the 90s and the early 2000s, I mean, you know what I mean? Like just the entire album, once again, from top to bottom is just, oozing with vibe and sexiness and his lush vocals and the production and the strings. I love his, I love the strings. I was going to, it was either between this album or another one that it was going to be, you know, I'll talk about it in later, but this to me almost made number one for me just because I love it so much. And I love Maxwell so much. And if I were still in my baby making years, I probably would make a baby to um, 
till the <laughs> till the cops come knocking. Okay, I digress. Oh, good one. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> pick. Excellent pick. Yep. Um, Freddie, Yo. what is your number two favorite neo okay. soul album? I just want to say Maxwell was going to be maybe my number one too. I love that record. I wore that record out back in the day. Adam, you need to check that record out because Wawa Watson's guitar playing on that oh, record yeah. is sublime. Okay. Plus, Adam, so, you'll get to have baby number three. <laughs> <laughs> Non-negotiable. Uh, yeah. I have no anyway. comment at this time, yeah. <laughs> anyway, my number two pick is Erica Badu Live. Great album. Uh, you know, great band. Yeah. Poogie Bell, one of my favorite drummers uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Amazing. So good sounding. And yes, there's no guitar. It's just keyboard, bass, and drums. But it's not really missed. No offense, Adam. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'll be okay. No, no. no. It's good. <laughs> and, and the background vocals are great, too. And oh, wow. I think it, there was even a, a hit, quote-unquote, uh, Tyrone came mm -hmm. off of that record, that yep. live version, which got a lot of airplay on uh, it's just a great record top to bottom rim shot yep. intro amazing uh mm -hmm. i i could still dig that record uh yep. today yep. so that's my number two all right um adam what is your number two favorite neo soul album sir all right as we seem to be uh bending the uh, terminology as we go this is uh this one is definitely bending the terminology just a little bit uh, from 2012, uh, Robert Glasper's Black Radio. Um, this is basically just, yeah, it's like an all-star cast. I mean, you, you basically look through everybody's lists and they're, they're like on this album. And I, I love I love Glasper's production, the piano. I mean, it's just, it's a great, uh, this is, you know, this is a good workout record for me. This, uh, I, I just, uh, and, and it's really more of a jazz record, probably more or less with some, you know, some neo-soul quote-unquote singing on it but uh uh once again i i'm coming from a very narrow place and this and this one uh i really enjoyed and you know it, it really hit the spot for me so glasper at number two that's all right man that's all a right. great pick that's mm -hmm. a great pick um and i'm gonna give my number two favorite neo soul album which was released in 1995 um it hit me straight and actually no i hated this album when it first came out let me say i hated mm. this album when it first came out and then my cousin, my older cousin, she was like, don't be dumb. And I said, okay. And then I gave it a good listen and I saw the video and this guy was so cool. And then I understood what the song Brown Sugar was about. And I was like, oh, he's even cooler. And so that's this, that's this album, uh, Brown Sugar, uh, D'Angelo's debut album. And uh, I mean, and then when you, when you actually listen to the record, it's just like something else and especially when you get to that song higher um i just listened to that i just listened to that for like four years straight and i couldn't stop listening to it um but there was you know you know me and those dreaming all of the songs just tremendous and that's why this album um kind of kicked off the neo soul um phase 
and um and i just love this album to death uh, but it's not number one, my number one so brendan <laughs> we're gonna go to you <laughs> for your number one favorite neo soul album okay for my number one i'm gonna bring you guys back to the younger version of me the first uh the first year i was driving i had a car that was as old as I was. I drove a 1986 Ford Bronco two, and the stereo was busted. It didn't work. And so I had a boom box and I would buy batteries and put it in the backseat of my car. And I would put this CD on and drive around. <laughs> and so I'm bringing us back to the year 2000. And I'm, my number one pick is music soul child. I just want to sing. And I love this record. It has so much meaning for me. Cause that was like, a time in my life, I was like getting really seriously getting into music and listening for all of the things that I still listen for. And this record holds up for me. Um, it's got the songs are great, and I'm bringing it back to Philly. He's a Philly artist, and there's some great Philly production on there. Team of Carvin and Ivan for sure, heavy hitters all over that record. It's got great songs, great production. Again, it's got some grit for me because sometimes neo soul can get a little smooth for my tastes, and so you hear the grit, and I think a lot of that comes from. Uh, music's hunger as an artist because this was his debut record and he was even like experiencing homelessness at the time and so this record was like real catharsis for him and you can hear that uh it's interesting too i was reading an interview with him and some of the producers because this is actually the 20th anniversary of the record so they did like a whole celebration of it and this wasn't even necessarily the record he wanted to make. He he kind of thought it wasn't even going to be his debut. And I'm not sure he's ever gotten to make the record he wanted to make. But for my money, I think this is incredible. I'm not sure he ever topped it for a debut. I think this is his best work. So that's number one. Yeah. And actually, um, I got to say that um, I listened to uh, some sort of interview recently. He said his latest album is, is kind of the one he's always been trying to make. Um, I forgot what, what it was called. Though. My bad. But um, also, I saw I, I see that dude carving around town, um, and I, I'm I'm like always like always want to just ask him, yo, dude, what happened when these songs came with this with the music's debut album? Like, how did this happen? Like, well, how'd you write this? Da, 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 da. I never do, but <laughs> that's what I think when I see him around town. Uh, Monique, what is your number one favorite neo soul album of all time? My number one favorite neo soul album of all time is Mama's Gun by the Queen, Miss Erica Badu. Badu. Um, for me, this album creates so much nostalgia around college. And even though it, it came out the year I graduated from high school in 2000, I didn't really start to get heavy into this album until like 01, 02. And one thing about this album that I will always remember is I took a 30 hour Greyhound bus trip from Kentucky to Miami for spring break wow. <laughs> with my then best friend at the time. Nice. And we had our little disc men. And, you know, back then, I don't know if there were like headphone splitters. There certainly weren't any wireless headphones yet. So I had the left ear in and she had the right ear in. And for hours. We listened to this album over and over and over. I mean, hours and hours. We only had two albums with us, and that was this was one of them. And I, what I love so much about this album is how she flows every single song into the next. It's genius. And it has some of my favorite musicians ever, James Poyser, 
You know, you guys probably know him. Victor Duplay, which is yep. one of my favorite producers and musicians as well. Braylon Lacey, who plays has been playing bass for her for years. And he produced, um, he wrote Orange Moon with her. And it's just such a great album. I literally don't have to skip at all. And it's just a vibe. And then her lyrics and just everything. But Didn't You Know is probably my favorite, one of my favorites on the album. Kiss Me on My Neck, definitely. And then the song that she does with Stephen Marley is another just incredible song that I just, I'm going to go listen to it when I'm done recording with you guys because uh, like I'm in the mood to listen to it. <laughs> so that's my number one pick, Erica Badu, Mama's Gun. Right. That album is special. Very, very special. Yeah. But before we go to you, Freddie, what was that other album that you had on the trip? Oh. You, you only had two. Oh, we had two okay. albums. It was that one, and it was India Ari, Acoustic Soul. Oh, India Ari. Mm. So those we're two happy. albums were like the Greyhound bus trip. <laughs> mm, nice. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Don't ask Interesting. me why we didn't bring more CDs, but we just loved the Eric Baidu album so much that we just didn't care to listen to it for 15 hours. <laughs> True test. <Yikes>. Right. <laughs> All right, Freddie. We're here with you, man. Drum roll. Yeah, my number, number one, one favorite Neo Soul album, Freddie. <laughs> of all time. All Actually, time. This guy is kind of not more well known. The fact that he's not more well known to me is just shocking. And that is Tony Rich words. He's so talented. He plays everything on the record. I'm a sucker for people like that. Stevie, Prince. Well, you're more of a Prince fan, Aaron, than I am. But I just I, like him. And most Ed, people. <laughs> Todd Rundgren, even. Just people that can, Paul McCartney, that can lay down a drum track, have it all in their head, go back and do the bass, go back and do the guitar. Tony Rich, but my main thing, as you guys know, is songs. And the songs on this record, one of my favorite songs of all time, regardless of genre, is Nobody Knows. What an amazing song. Song brings me to tears. I'm getting moist Aww. just thinking about it. <laughs> hey Blue, Like a Woman, Under Her Spell, Billy Goat. Great, great songs. He put out this one album, and then I know he's still out there doing something, but nobody knows. Maybe mm. he knows, hopefully. Number one, Tony Rich, Words. Great album. Check it out. That's very interesting. That, that that's a very interesting pick, Freddie. And actually, um, I was listening to uh, um, I think it was another podcast. Uh, I think it might have been Quest Love Supreme, um, where it was like Babyface on it or somebody, and they were yeah. talking about like um, it was something between Babyface left the, the the record label and then they just bought they brought on Tony Rich because he sounded like Babyface and he was like there was like some sort of mad thing there and. Um, I recommend everybody kind of check out um, that, that, that episode of Quest Love Supreme because it kind of gives a background on the Tony Rich project, actually. Right. Um, well, they did work together. They co-produced <laughs> that album. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's something there. There's something there, guys. There's a mystery. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. He should have been huge. Oh, well. Mm -hmm. Adam. What is your number one favorite Neo Soul album of all time, sir? Of all times. No, oh, number one. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> of 
quick aside, uh, Monique, I can uh, attest to the uh, the long Greyhound trips. I once did a uh, Greyhound trip when I was 19 years old by myself from Scranton, Pennsylvania to Aspen, Colorado, by myself. Oh my gosh! It was like 52 oh, hours, two two oh. nights on the bus. I wish I had a CD player. I had no, I had no, I had nothing. Oh my goodness! And I just talked to people for 52 hours and try <laughs> tried to make sure I didn't switch buses and didn't you know end up somewhere else. But, was it a uh, ski trip? Why were you uh, going to Aspen? I was I was going to spend the summer with my cousin out there, and then we had like a huge falling out like five days oh, later, and I yeah. I went back by myself. Oh, <laughs> oh no! But it led me yeah, to I... where I am today, so you know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, quite an experience, yeah. But a CD player would have been awesome. I might have yeah. I might have I might have had a a different pick, but <laughs> but my number one, uh, my my number one, um. And uh, another more contemporary-ish pick here. I don't, I don't know exactly where the, the Neo Soul window ends, but uh, Frank Ocean's Blonde. And, and this one, it's kind of like a thing all upon itself with this album. I, I really, uh, I popped it. I mean, I, I, when it came out, I listened to it a bunch of times. Then I kind of lost track of it in, amongst, you know, everything. And then I popped it back up this week, and I'm like, oh, it just has this really intimate feel to it. It's really kind of, I love the production on it. it just, I, I kind of feel like I'm just like in a small like room like he's just in a small room there with you it's 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 got a really a uh, really cool feeling to it and uh, um i'm just i'm quite impressed by by all of it uh that's my number one very nice and here i'm bringing up the rear here uh this is aaron and my number one favorite uh neo soul album of all time is first born second by Bilal, released in 2001. Bilal, the the uh, Philly guy, I believe he's from Germantown. Actually, yep. I think he is. Um, this dude in this Great album, just, this 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 album changed everything for me. It was like you can be weird and good at the same time, <laughs> and I really resonated with that. And um, just like the songs, I mean, like you got, you know, not, not, I, you know, I don't even like Soul Sister, to be honest with you. It was just too poppy. It was too poppy. But you have Queen of Sanity on there. You got Love Poems. Um, you got, um, uh, some, was it Sometimes? Is that on there? Where is that? I don't see that. Um, home. Um, even, even when he does Second Child at the end, which is like crazy weird. Um, I just love it. It's just like weirdness. And it's goodness at the same time. I played it for my aunt uh, when I was back, way back then. I was like, Ajun, check this out. Check this out. This guy's an artist. He's an artist. <laughs> and he was, he was like, he don't sound nothing like Earth, Wind, and Fire. I don't know. And I was like, that's the point. And she didn't get it, which, was, which made it even better. And so that's why this guy is my number. This 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 album is my number one favorite Neo Soul album of all time. It, it just took a left turn from all that other Neo Soul stuff that was out there at that time. Mm-hmm. And I uh, just appreciated the crap out of it. So on that note, we're going to take a short break and come back with some more discussion. Hold on. And we are back. 
And uh, so we're going to kick this discussion off. Um, uh, we, we usually don't do this, uh, going back to me, but we're going to kick this discussion off with something that I said that, um, that hit a nerve uh, amongst the group. And that's when I said that Soul Sister um, was a poppy song, and I didn't like it. Um, that song from Bilal, his, his, his debut album, Firstborn Second. And um, Freddie, was it you that said something about that? No. no. Monique, was it you? That says something it was else. I. Yes. It was. It mm. was Aaron. You know, I was. I was yeah. cool with you because you had the same name as my husband, and I really liked your picks. And then you had to go and disrespect so sister uh, like that. So why is this song something to you? <sighs> or why should this song be something to me? Because doesn't it like make you feel like sexy, Aaron, when you listen to it? Boom, oh, it boom, 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 boom. Like come on, that baseline. No. I don't think I've ever been sexy, so. <laughs> but you've had sexy moments <laughs> with sexy people, sure. I'm sure, at some point in your life. And sure. I think that we uh, all have our playlists, right? We have our playlists when we work out. We have our playlists when we go on road trips. And then, you know, to keep it real rated G, we also maybe will have a playlist for some other things in life. And that was sure. on my playlist. That was on a that was that song was on my playlist. It was on my on my burn CD. Sure. So I, I guess have a I lot guess of, like, it's just a sexy song, and then at the end, it's just like what when the girl is like having her moments. You know. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I can see how it. I can see how that could be a thing. Take another um, listen. Take another <laughs> listen now. Well, something you know, that, 19 years later. Monique, something that, I you, think, that you have to understand with Aaron is his mug that you see there is not filled with coffee. It's filled with haterade. He is ah, uh, oh. he's our resident guy for that. Fueling up. Okay. Oh, he's sipping on that haterade. Sipping on that haterade. <laughs> Fueling up. I respect um, you. I just love that song. No, that song is um it's so in in context of all the other songs on the album. So like that song and um what's the other song? Fast Lane he did with um um I think that was with Dr. Dre. Um so those were kind of like the the singles, if you will, you right. know, from that album. Mm -hmm. And so my 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 um I guess my interests lie in all the other weird stuff. The other weird stuff. That's what really got me. And that the all the other weird stuff is what wasn't on a lot of other other neo soul albums of the time. Very true. And so that's kind of what really kind of attracted me to this album. Not 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 the hits, but like the the digging in kind of stuff where right. it was weird. And so um so yeah, so that's kind of where where, where I kind of sit on on that stuff. Well, that, um, that brings it, up a it, good point, Aaron. Right. If I can interject, like I feel like there was a time, and this wasn't quite there on the Blau record, but there was a time like maybe 03, 04 where Neo Soul kind of reached critical mass and there was like, there was just so much of it and it kind of was all starting to blend together. And I think that was the beginning of the end for that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's part of the, your point you were making as far as that goes, but I remember, I remember feeling that. That's a, that's an excellent, that's an excellent point. Um, cause and that's kind of, uh, what I kind of want to take us, uh, uh, to next is kind of the boundaries of the genre. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the genre kind of came out, um, you know, was, was coined by, um, 
uh, Mr. Massenberg. And um, it was related to, you know, the acts he had on the, on his label. And it was like D'Angelo and then Erica Badu and all these acts like that. Um, and um, so what 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 defines the genre? Um, you know, is it, you know, not guitar? Is it um, just a certain time period? Is it hand claps? Is it vibes, if you will? Is it soulful singing? Right. Um, kind of uh freddie what, what do you think about what do you think about well, that yeah uh, that's, that's a good question i mean look the 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 term itself is a man-made thing it's a marketing ploy right so that begs the question like was terence trent darby neo soul i mean no. that, of course, the hard line that's one of the greatest soul records ever made is sade neo soul because it came out because before he coined that term, like what's real and what's not. Monique, what do you think? I think so. Sade is actually one of my absolute favorite artists of all time, Freddie. So when you brought her up, and I thought, like, hmm, would I add Sade to this list? But I, to me, she's not the 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 term neo soul. She's Sade <laughs> her own kind of her own genre. But for me the way Neo Soul comes out to me is a vibe. When you said vibey, Aaron, that's for me. Like when you listen to any of the albums that were even like the Music Soul Child album, each album has a certain feel and a certain vibe to it that to me puts it in that Neo Soul box. And then I do agree with Brendan with like 2003, 2004, it was so saturated and then artists were coming out and then it kind of was not like the quintessential neo soul feel for me anymore either but i think for hmm. me when i define neo soul it is like a vibe like a very vibey just kind of soulful singing very vibey music hmm. well adam, uh, adam. You, you, had, you had some right well yeah as an outsider to, to all of you guys i mean so uh, is neo so neo soul is gone now and are we, are we in what tertiary soul like what where are we where are we now <laughs> We're like, in R and B soul. Okay, and then how how is that different from OG soul? I mean, anybody have any thoughts on this? Because I feel like the Black Radio album that you mentioned, to mm-hmm. me, it has a lot of the old components of neo soul, which is why people love Robert Glasper so much. Because if you've noticed over the last five or ten years, how many people say, "Bring neo soul back!" Like we need the neo soul sound back. And when Robert Glasper came out with Black Radio, Erica Badu, Belial, all the music so child, Chrisette mm-hmm. Michelle, all these, all these kind of neo soul artists, and then it it kind of gave you that feeling again of neo soul. But I just, I guess, is the word still being used as much as it was back in the late '90s, early 2000s? That's right. the thing. Right. Brandon, what, what do you, what do you think, Brandon? Yeah, to to respond to what Monique said and and Adam's question to me, I think, I think time period is integral in this and also just the musical dialogue involved. So like if we were to look at the, the beginning of soul music, like thinking kind of Motown in the sixties and then through the seventies expanded to some funkier sounds, some gr- more grandiose production the sound of Philadelphia. Then you got the eighties and like the advent of drum machines and that kind of spilled over the 90s and to me 90s r&b is like kind of a continuation of that with like boys to men sade artists like that and to me neo soul fits in as a reaction to what r&b was doing 
and I think a return to like Aaron mentioned in, in the preamble, like some live instrumentation. Again, I like to use that word grit because I think a lot of these records to me at their best have that rawness, whereas a lot of the early 90s R&B was like smooth was the word that was that was the vibe. And so I think I think it changes. And I think to address Adam's question is, as far as now goes, I think soul R&B records are being made now, but it's difficult to call it neo soul because it's responding to everything that's come before. So it has to fit into the continuum in, in the history. Freddie, what do you got? Um, just a thought that I just had concerning neo-soul to me, I just realized there was something in the mix. And I, I mean, musical mix, like the engineers, the way it was a lot of hip hop, especially in the, in the, uh, where the the bass and snare drum were in the mix was way brought way out front way out front coming from almost like a hip-hop place that had never been done prior and i, I want to say one other thing i was over in europe in 2005 and i felt like i was back in philly because all you heard everywhere was jill scott and and Bilal, I mean, it was neo soul. Was every coffee shop you went into, that's what they were playing, and that's two thousand five. So maybe it just transferred a little later over there, mm -hmm. but that's something that I noticed. But yeah, I think it's a mixed thing. Really had uh, really had something to do with it. And so. Bringing so I I'm going to go to you, you Adam, um, uh -huh. so um, kind of building off of what Freddie says with the production stuff. So as we kind of mentioned earlier, um, from a production standpoint, the guitars were like far and few between. Um, what guitars? So, <laughs> ex exactly. <laughs> so from as a newbie kind of to, to the genre, um, like is that like is that why you kind of never kind of made it that way or is it something else or is it? Um, what, what what do you think? Well, I wouldn't quite call myself a newbie per se. Um, more of a as um, uh, you know, as we get to the root, a lot of these picks that we do and all these, and even uh, Monique, your number one, even brought it up. Like nostalgia plays a big part in a lot of our our favorite choices, and and my nostalgia was up in the you know the mountains of northeastern Pennsylvania with a bunch of white boys. So like. <laughs> Like this did this didn't really come up. We I mean we got into hip hop, but like with hip hop we could kind of you know not sing. We could like rap along, but it's not like none of us had any kind of even remote vocal range to like sing along. There was no like you know yeah yeah let's see if we can hit <laughs> hit that note. And, uh, but um and, and also you know saying I'm as a guitar player as well. I'm just like I can't really play along with this either. And 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 just to kind of go to like a, a point you go to a lot, Aaron, where where you know you get your bugaboos and like. And like the vocal treatment means so much to you. And, and like where, where I get hung up a little bit with, with the Neo soul, especially now that I'm learning that like two of my three picks aren't even, you know, in, in, in the window and, and, and my one pick that's in the window is more of like, Hey, let's bring it back thing. So I, I'm like completely on over here, but like, I feel like the, the vocal treatment is so concentrated on with Neo soul that I feel like, I don't know. I'm like, what else? I'm, you know, cause with me, I get a wandering ear and I'm like, okay, here's the vocals. Yep. They like the layers some more and some more. And like, Oh, what's going on in the background? Oh, there's here's a really, really soft keyboard and 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 some program drums. I mean, I just I just I just my mind wanders after a while. 
Mm. I could definitely see that with the uh, with the kind of uh, the neo soul genre at large. It's kind of a wash um, at times. I mean, the vocals are amazing, and like you know, it's not like I'm going to attempt any of them, but like. I don't know. I'd say with uh, Brendan kind of helped help me with that point, talking about the grit. Like when I start, you know, I like it when they start bringing the grit a little bit. Yeah, and actually, um, that's actually a criticism I have for um, the neo soul thing. Um, so the artists that I really love, you know, the musical instrumentation is very interesting. Um, so you know, going back to D'Angelo, it, all of his albums, um, like you think about Voodoo, and it's just like man like you can just listen to that and kind of like what you were saying monique i i I still don't know what he's saying on any of the songs (laughs) but it's amazing it's amazing and i listen to that often as well you know um even to again like the my my first choice first point second like the instrumentation on like sometimes it's just like crazy good Mm -hmm. um so I mean, and Mama's Gun as well. Like, so you listen to um, like Green Eyes, I believe, mm-hmm. and like it goes from this thing to that thing. It just transfers, and I'm just like, yes, you you know, you just like yes. listen to it. The musicality is just like it fills you fills you up. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you get to some of the other kind of neo soul things of the genre of the of the era. Um, I can't even remember a lot of the names, but. Um, I don't even know if I want to say a lot of the names, but you know some of the people back then that were just kind of jumping on that vibe, and they were garbage. Um, <laughs> Those who and, not be named. <laughs> well, I'm not naming any names. Well, that's I'm good. Very that's good. good here. Yes, yes, you are nicely done. Uh, Freddie, yeah. go ahead. You're going to name some names. Yeah. No. No. Not at all. <laughs> uh, number. I got a couple things. Number one, I'm really shocked that nobody had Jill Scott in their top three yeah. records just shocked number one number two my i think d'angelo's best record is voodoo mm-hmm. but i was gonna pick it but i figured originally adam you had uh black messiah yeah. and, and aaron you had uh uh brown sugar so i left that out number three aaron how do you know about crystal warren that is so obscure, and I love Crystal. She's a friend of mine. How do you, how did you find out about her, Freddie? I'm glad you asked, sir. <laughs> uh, Crystal Warren. Um, I and found out about. Tea. Yeah, I found out about Crystal Warren because um, she did this um, uh, tribute thing to Nick Drake a whole bunch of years ago. And it was like here in film. No, it was like a UK special thing. Like, and I found it like on YouTube or something. Okay. And um, oh, I was doing a. I was actually working on like a a Nick Drake tribute album, which I don't think has ever seen the light of day. It might. I don't know. It might be out there on a Nick Drake song. I don't know. But anyway, the guy that had me on the song, he was like, "Oh, check this out. I want to do something like this." And she sang, I believe, "Riverman," and um, I hated it. I could not stand it. And I just put it away for a long time. And then, um, you know, then I, I, I was I went back to check it. I was like, maybe maybe I was being too harsh, which I often can be. And you. <laughs> it's, true. <laughs> it's true. And I went back and then I found this album. I was like blown away. Um, Monique, are you familiar with Crystal Warren in this album? At I'm all? not, but I will be adding her uh, as soon as we're uh, done with this. 
I'm trying to. Is that is that what people do? Prostolize, prostolize, proselytize. That's what I'm trying to do with this thing here. I'm trying to get everybody to worship the Preach. person that is Crystal Warren. She's because, awesome. Um, it's like it brings back all the vibes, the musicality vibes of the neo soul thing, the art, artistic thing. Um, it's just so tremendous. So anyway, that's my Crystal Warren. Uh, soapbox there. Uh, right Brandon, on. what do you got, man? Well, I wanted to respond to one of Freddie's other questions about the lack of Jill Scott. And so it's interesting, Freddie, I'm following one of the precedents that, that you've set that I totally agree with on this show is that we are kind of unofficially not repeating picks from past episodes. And for me, my favorite Jill Scott record is the live album. And I used that many, many weeks ago on our live album. Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, you did. But that is an incredible album with Fatback Taffy Yep, yep, yep. Love that record so much. Yes. And so, like, yeah, I'm, we should at least bring it up in this episode. But um, right. the thing that I wanted to bring up is like just the 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 posse of the Soul Quarians. Like, it probably didn't go down like this, but could you just imagine being in the room, being in the studio with those giants, like, and them working yeah. on this and basically crafting a sound that that we're still talking about and talking about today? Like, yep, those yep. Amaz- the amazing talent that was in in those rooms. Well, first of all, in Jimi Hendrix's room. Yeah. That's number one. Yeah. Electric Ladyland. That's where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's where they, that was their lab. That was their laboratory. So Aquarians. So that counts for something. Totally. And, and the sonics of it that we've been bringing up a lot, like that's a huge part of these records. And yeah, you bring up a great point. A studio has a has a very important function in the the sonic fingerprint of a record and yeah you're absolutely right uh, you're, what a good place to be in you know to be and La- and Larry Gold's the studio mm-hmm. totally yep Definitely. the other lab you know right and and actually that brings up a interesting point for me as uh, earlier when we were talking about the boundaries of the genre whatever so for me personally the boundaries of the genre are also uh, Philly. So, um, Big part. so when I think about Philly artists and I think about Neo soul, that's kind of my boundary. So, um, uh, f- artists that aren't from Philly, I don't dig them as much. And I look down upon them as a matter of fact. <laughs> Stop. Um, so that's kind of my boundary is like when I think, cause when I think about like another reason why I really like Bilal is because I was like, oh, that's that's that Philly guy right there. Mm-hmm. Or even Music Soul Child, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy? Oh, yeah. And every anytime I walk in Philly, I'd be like, I see somebody with some sunglasses. I'm like, that's him right there? That's him? <laughs> <laughs> it, w- it wouldn't be. but um, Or even like thinking about Cody Chestnut or like how he came in with the roots. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. or The connection. Um, yeah, or Erica Badu yeah. and how she kind of fit in with the roots. Like she was kind of a you know Philly kind of person, or D'Angelo with Quest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just like, oh, okay, honorary. These are Philly, these are Philly people right yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big kind of um, you know, in thinking about the genre at large. Um, but I actually want to go to to you, Monique, and your number two pick, Maxwell's Urban Hang Suite, and this guy was really big for the genre. So there was like D'Angelo, there was Erica, and there was Jill, and, and like, you know, there was Maxwell. Right. He was like right there. Um, and especially like he, his album came out in 96, Brown Sugar came out in 95. They were like 
yin, yin, yin and yang or whatever. Right. Um, so tell me a bit why you chose him over D'Angelo. Because D'Angelo is, I guess, my yang. Okay. And I didn't have the yin of Maxwell in my life. Okay. So, so how does that? <laughs> this is actually a great question. I like D'Angelo. I like D'Angelo's songs. I don't necessarily always get into his albums. And my husband and I, we seem to kind of, because his favorite album of all time is D'Angelo's Voodoo. Yes. And, you know, when I was telling him I was going to be on this, you know, on the podcast with you guys, he's like, oh, my number one is Voodoo. And he knows how I feel about D'Angelo in a sense. Um, I think he's an incredible musician. I don't understand what he's saying when he sings. And I no think that, right. And Brown Sugar oh, and... Um, what was the other song? Like his other huge hit, Lady. Lady, banging songs. Um, and then there was Spanish Join on his album. Yes. Like he had certain songs that were like killing. But for me, in that particular time, just Maxwell's music resonated more with like the vibe that I was kind of in. I'm a very vibey person. When you listen to my album, you can tell that I'm kind of like light the candles you know, meditate, have a good vibe. And when things sound a certain way, sonically, I just like light up. And for me, D'Angelo's complete body of work didn't give me the same feels as like a Maxwell record. But the thing is with Maxwell, I think he created this crazy vibe that when I think when somebody's in this kind of like box, the next album, you want it to sound the same. And the next album, you want it to sound the same. And when he did Embrya, I, that was another album. that I was. It was either going to be between um, this one, Urban Hang Suite, or his Embrya album. And he actually said that that was his one album that he felt like, why did I do this? Because it was too weird. But I loved it because it was still so vibey. The strings in the opening song, oh my gosh killing 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 but then his his newer stuff like black summer's night i was like mm, i wasn't feeling it because to me maxwell is like one of the kings of neo soul that when you come back out after having this sound and then his live on um oh yeah his live his vh1 live my friend Derek hodge was, was his musical director for three years i mean i just got the goosebumps all over again just watching that and i think that came out in like 2008 because i think i was pregnant with my daughter it was like 2007 2007 when he released that on vh1 but then he comes out with like this new music and it's not to me the quintessential maxwell so i get disappointed but his music just resonates with my soul a little bit more on a sonic level than d'angelo hmm. right on. what do you think brendan <laughs> I am Team D'Angelo. <laughs> if I had to pick, and this was, it was interesting because yeah, again, my neo soul for me balances those seemingly at odds. Back to the words that I'm using so much today are grit and and smooth. And to me, Maxwell just leans more so on the smooth for my taste. And D'Angelo, mm -hmm. I think, balances them a little more and and also lets out the weird uh, himself. And I think that that's what what connects with me a little bit more yeah and and um i believe um uh yeah that's it um uh, maxwell worked with Stuart matt uh matthewman is that right mm -hmm. um, so he was from sade right so um i know you mentioned about like sade was kind of important to you as an artist and 
Um, so I could definitely see that thread going through there. Um, and um, I, when that first album, uh, Maxwell's Urban Hang Suite hit, um, for me, it was more like, um, who is this dude trying to get on, on D'Angelo's block? <laughs> And really? It's with his hair. Okay. And so with his hair all like that, trying to be all sexy, like it was more like a hater. It was like I can't do that. My hair doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all these girls are really into this guy, and I just can't do that. Like I can be weird, like D'Angelo a little bit. I could be a little weird and mean and whatever, me mugging, walking down the street, you know. But I can't be, you know, big smile and hair all floppy. And, at the at the party talking to people so that was kind of my own personal thing and that's i guess it's a you know, talk about some nostalgia nostalgia has a negative side it's the yes, dark it side of nostalgia. <laughs> like i couldn't be that guy um but when you take it to the next album embry i was like oh wait a second he is a weirdo i do like this and when he was in the video with the with the bathtub coca oh, shore and everything man, i was like the best I like ever this. i don't i don't understand this but i like this Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was like, you know, kind of like it was a slow burn to, to like Maxwell mm-hmm. and, um, you know, his, his relator albums, I kind of, I kind of dig them. Um, don't understand them, but dig them. And, um, uh, well, Brendan, do you have, you have something uh, to follow up on that? Well, no, I, I was, I wanted to shift uh, a little bit and I'll go for it. I wanted to stay with Monique and talk about the miseducation of Lauren Hill, which I think we need to Ooh. cover at least in brief since I think absolutely towards the end, like, this record has it's like it's like an antique that appreciates in value you know like this record gets better with age and not only that but like she's basically made a whole career out of this record Mm -hmm. you know like and people don't want any more from her no (laughs) can we just talk about that why don't people want more from her I don't know. Like this record, it says it all. Like, I, and I don't know. I, I don't, I, I'm fine with her output, you know, I'm fine with, and her to, com, to continue to tour on this material. Wait, Freddie, I think you have something to say. Is that, I saw that in your face. No, no. <laughs> I know people that have worked with her. That's all. Uh, I'm say. Hey, Hey, we, we don't want to be, we don't want to be on the, the, you know, uh, we're, you know saying, webs. I'm not saying anything. The poo poo. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to be. We don't want to be aggregated, as they say. And you know what? I've had. I know people that worked with her too, Freddie. And it was hard for me to put her on this list just from some things, but I had to like just look at the music portion and oh, yeah, where yeah. I was at in '98. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. dang. Even though I need Homegirl to be on time for her shows, this album was really dope. Oh yeah. It's like great. it was just such a dope album. And I think, you know, she, when she came out with the MTV unplugged album, I was like, no. And I have friends who love that album, but I was just like, no, cause it just wasn't when you come with a heavy album, like Miss education of Lauren Hill, it's really hard to create something else that will live up to that or greater. It just really is. But I think it's been great for her because she is still touring these songs as Brendan, as Brendan said, and she's still selling out shows singing do wop that thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's amazing because I really, as an artist, you want somebody 20 years later to still be singing your song that you that was like a hit 22 years prior. That's to me is the dream that people, that your music will still be relevant 20, 30, 50, a million years later. And I, 
for that, I, I give her like an amount, immense amount of love and respect from like one woman to another as an artist. And I know it's not easy being in the space. And so whatever it is that plagues her, God bless her. I, you know, I think that she is just such a talented individual that just deserves all of the kudos because I could just put the album in now and listen to it from top to bottom. And I would go see her in a show to hear these songs. Like, and I don't know that she has any plans to create new music. And if anybody would even care, I don't think I they care. would care. Oh, you care? I you want care. her to create new music? You want a new, yeah. you want a new Lauren album? Well, here's my thing is um, I really enjoyed this album when it came out. I loved it. Um, and then as years have gone by, that love for this album and I guess her as an artist has kind of waned a bit where I'm like, I see other artists that I really love put out more material. And sometimes it's really fantastic. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes they take a left left turn and it's just like, oh, yeah. Um, but I don't get the chance to find out with Lauren Hill because there's nothing there's nothing That's to find true. out about. Um, and even think about, you know, her hitting the pinnacle, which is like, I mean, come on, this album is fantastic, but so was talking book. And then so was songs in the key of life yeah. and, you know, and all these other right. albums that, you know what I mean? Like, or, or, or what's going on and let's get it on. I mean, you know what I mean? Uh, after the dance, like there were some yeah. special albums and maybe that was a time period thing, but, um, um, or, or even uh, uh, Freddie loves this, um, or even like Frank Ocean's uh, Channel Orange, and then Blonde or something. <laughs> um, so, you know that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Uh, like I just want something else. Uh, Adam, what do you what do you got, man? Well, just to counter your point, like should should the um, should it be a penalty to make a really good album earlier in your career? And and I, I understand, but you're comparing her to. I mean, Stevie Wonder and Mar you're, 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 you know, you're throwing out the people with the biggest bodies of work, most amazing bodies of work ever. And I mean, I, I get, uh, you know, maybe with the miseducation that leads to that, but it, you know, like, but if you're holding everyone to that standard, you know what I mean? Well, I'm not holding everyone. I'm holding her because that <laughs> album was amazing. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. You know, if she put out a, a you know, an album that was like, eh, I'd be like, oh, well, go, go get him, go get him next time. You know what I mean? But like the album was killer. So like as an artist, like, or a lover of an artist or whatever, you want to say, okay, where does, where does the next art come from? Like, what can we learn from this, this artist? Or what can we take from, you know, you know, a reflection of ourselves or whatever the case may be um, from this artist that, you know, I appreciate so much and that has shown us so much. Yeah. And I completely agree with you, Aaron, completely. I would have loved for there to be, in the last 22 years, at least three more Lauren albums. Um, but didn't she put out two that were just like, not like kind of flops? I know she put out the MTV Unplugged, and then there was like another one that I tried, I like and it just, yeah. it right, Brendan? There yeah, was like a second one. There's like a oh, third I one. And I, it, it just, I tried to listen to it, and I was just like, no. And I think maybe... That has been her thing. Like those albums were not successful and everybody still loves a miseducation. So why, you know, <laughs> fix something that I obviously can't. Maybe she's afraid that it will never live up to the miseducation. And she's scared and her ego maybe 
might get in the way as to like, well, if the, if I'm going to keep selling out these shows, because let's be honest, like artists are artists, but they also like love the money as well because yeah. you're making tons Don't of coin. Money. Don't want to mess with yeah. your coin. And if you, if nobody wants to hear your new music because it's not the miseducation, then it's like, you know, Right. Maybe she feels stuck in that sense. I don't know. I'm totally just or, speculating, or kind but kind of curse too. I mean, to Aaron's yeah. point, like she comes out with the miseducation, and whether she likes it or not, she's running with the big kids. Like, yeah, like, and so how? Yeah, how do you follow up with that? The, the immense pressure. We can't even imagine. Right, right, right. Adam. Yeah. Adam, what do you got? Uh, I was just gonna go back to an old uh, Robbie Robertson adage, where he's just he he always says this thing where he's just like. You know, some people, he thinks, you know, he's in the school of thought that, like, everyone's got a certain amount of songs in them. You might have 20 songs in you. You might have 50 songs in you. You might have, like, 300 songs in you. And maybe she's just, you know, maybe her songs are, she's done her songs. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. I don't believe that one bit. (laughs) Because, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And I'm pointing, just for everyone that's not, that's not can't see. Is, um. Is that you know? So when she was creating those songs, she had collaborators, and so even if it's, even if it's not your idea that you're like working on, you can t- work with other people, and they have ideas that you can work on, and that's what she did with that album. It wasn't just her writing in a room by herself; she was working with a whole team of really talented people, uh, John Legend included, and that, and um, and so you could do that again. You can collaborate with other people and they got ideas. So that's, I don't think that's an excuse. Maybe it was a rather joyless experience. Hey man, you know, drink, drink, uh, drink some, some, some diet Coke and, and get at it. I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> wow. I don't know to tell you about that. You're going to send her an email uh, or something. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, I'm, send her a case of diet Coke. <laughs> it's not an excuse not to work. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, not to create. I mean, if that's what you call yourself an artist, then, um, then work. You know, Does collaborate she call with people. An artist? Probably, <laughs> but, um, but actually, we're 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 getting a little long here. So, um, first of all, I wanted to again uh, thank you, Monique, for for joining us in this conversation. Um, it was so awesome to have you here and, and to um, have your opinion and um, your kind of insight into your picks and everything and your your own music and stuff and. Um, we'd love to have you back at some point, Tom, if that's all right. Of course. Um, with you. And, um, you know, also, I just want to kind of what we do at the end here is kind of give it up, op- uh, bring it up, o- leave it open to people. If anybody has any kind of closing comments or anything about um, whatever topic it is. So, um, you know, does, does anybody here? Um, usually I go to Adam first, <laughs> uh, and, which I'm going to go to Adam first here because that's kind of, of a tradition we have here. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts here on the on the neo soul genre? Uh, or Neo Soul albums, Adam. Well, I was more I was more a student attending class today, more than more than anything, because uh, you know I'm uh, I do not uh, I I don't uh, close myself to any stylistic uh, thing. If it's music, it's music. I don't care you know what it is, but uh, but I I'm I'm going to keep this playlist close to me and uh you know dig in a bit because a lot a lot of the um, you know from the, the the a lot of the nostalgia is is from exposure, so I, I need to expose myself to this stuff a little more and just uh spin it some more and get more of an ear for it and then then i can come up with a more of a and and you know an educated uh take on neo soul and now i realize that my window you know i got to put it in the appropriate window too i got to subdivide the genres we, we we're in you know we're not in here to 
paint with a broad brush. We're in here to, you know, dig, you know, you know, get under the layers. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, if there's a Neo Soul tool, I'm going to be a little more, I might, I might speak for two, three more minutes. I'm going to be ready. <laughs> nice. That's, that's very well said. Adam. Very well said. Um, anybody else have any kind of closing comments? Uh, um, I'm going to go to you, Brendan, because you, you know, you're kind of a studio guy here and, and you know, these are, these are albums we're talking about. <laughs> we are. We're talking about albums, everyone. Uh, I would just say that this is one for me a, a beloved subgenre, and subgenres can often get to some weird places and unnecessary things. But I think this is a very well defined part of our our musical history that is, I think, at this point in time, overlooked a bit too much. So I'm glad we're doing the show and we're celebrating these records and. And uh, also, everyone needs to pick a team. D'Angelo or Maxwell. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag D'Angelo or Maxwell. Uh, Monique, uh, do you have any closing thoughts for us? I do. First off, thank you guys so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun, and I just love talking about music. Um, just my closing thought is, you know, however you feel music and however that touches you is um, – is important for you. And I think that with, with the genre of Neo soul, I would not be where I am as a violinist without it. I was directly um, influenced by Jill Scott's, who is Jill Scott's album. And I remember trying to play along with He Loves Me and freaking E flat minor as like an 18 year old wow. <laughs> with those Larry Gold strings. And I said to myself, I'm going to move to New Jersey. Well, I'm going to move to Philadelphia one day. My sister was living in Jersey and I'm going to play for Jill Scott one day. And I got to actually play that song with her for VH1 Storytellers. And so I really credit so much to the Neo Soul movement for who I am because it allowed me to feel comfortable to create my own voice outside of classical music as a violinist. So this, this genre will always be very near and dear to my heart. Nice. Very cool. Nice. Very, very, very cool. Um, Brent, uh, Freddie, did you have any kind of closing thoughts on? Uh, no, man. This has been wonderful. We could probably keep talking for another <laughs> hour or two, and uh, it's just been a, a, a great, great to hear hear you, Monique, and a little fresh voice to our, you know, club here. And thanks for being with us. You're very welcome. Thank you. And um, this is uh, Aaron, the John Stockton of podcast here. And my, my closing thought is is similar to actually Monique's when so when I was coming up, um, you know, I was all into the the, the uh, you know Motown Philly, uh, you know, was it uh, Motown? Boys yeah, yeah, boys to men. Man, I was just like I was like trying to sing like Wanye, couldn't do it. I just couldn't <laughs> sing like Wanye. Then I was like, well, let me move to Sean. Couldn't sing like Sean. I just couldn't do it. And then D'Angelo came out. And at first, I told y'all I didn't like it at first. But now I was like, you know what? I could fake it like this guy. I could fake this. And so Neo Soul kind of has allowed me to fake it for 20 years. And um, I wouldn't be here today faking it. I do have Uh, something to add. You are a huge fan of Prince. You think D'Angelo's a big fan of Prince? I don't think so. I don't think there's any Come connection. on, man. I don't think there's any connection at all. <laughs> Dude. 
<laughs> really? No, no, I, no, not really. <laughs> of course, man. Of course. <laughs> of course. That's but, all anyway. I got. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. My bad. No, no, those guys were just so like the D'Angelo, especially. It was just like uh, so messy, and I just I just couldn't mess with all those other singers. I mean. You got Mariah Carey's out there, and they were they were dancing, and I can't dance to save my life. So when I saw this dude sitting there behind the keyboard, just kind of like bobbing his head, I was like, I could do that. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of uh, my entry into Neo Soul. I, I couldn't do the Maxwell thing though; I could not do that. Um, but I, I think nineties nineties R and B's got to be a separate podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. That'll be a se- separate podcast. But again, Monique, thank you so much. Um, uh, our guest today on the pod, Monique Brooks Roberts. Yeah. Please check out her album, Free, and also check out her podcast, The Sip. Um, both will be, uh, we'll have links in our, our, our podcast episode out there. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Take care. Right, fiction.